Since the days of Ron Artest, the Sacramento Kings have been desperately searching for an elite wing defender with very little success. Well, I'm here to tell you that the Kings have finally found their guy, and his name is Keegan Murray. Keegan shines defensively. The Kings, as a team, play super well defensively, with the exception of the fourth quarter. But the beam is lit. Three straight victories for the Sacramento Kings. And you are listening to Locked on Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for our first deposit match up to $100. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. Kings beat the Dallas Mavericks 120 to 115. And let's get the bad out of the way, right? That was smooth sailing for Sacramento. I was ready to say one of their best performances of the season, at least for the first three quarters. Then when it came to the fourth quarter, the Kings trying to land a, land that beautiful plane, and it, it sputtered and it hit the ground a little bit too hard before finally coming to a stop. In the end, the Kings won. It all counts as a W. All wins count the same uh, in, in the grand scheme of things in the standings. But the context of that fourth quarter, not ideal. So we'll get it out of the way first, and we'll discuss that before we get into the multitude of good things that the Sacramento Kings did tonight and of course talk a lot about uh, the greatness and excellence of Keegan Murray but the Kings giving up 40 points in the fourth quarter in a game that they were in control of for start to finish they had uh, a 20 point lead and, and did a really good job maintaining that 20 point lead or at least maintaining a, a significant double digit lead for a good portion of this game. That's been something that has eluded this Kings team, and it looked like they were going to be able to overcome that. So many times this season, they've built big leads only to have them be erased. Of course, we can look back at what happened in the fourth quarter of that Phoenix Suns game, and to some extent, it felt like it was happening again in Dallas, although it didn't quite get that serious. However, when Malik Monk stepped to the free throw line after hitting his first five free throws. And again, we're talking a high 80% free throw shooter. And Malik Monk steps to the free throw line and missed two clutch free throws in a row again to give the Dallas Mavericks hope. Man, I was just shaking my head. It's totally a mental thing, right? It's nothing physical. It is totally a mental thing. Now, free throw shooting overall for the Kings has been better over these past couple of games. It's hard to be much worse than when they were shooting back-to-back -back games and multiple games of 50% from the free throw line. Over this three-game win streak, Sacramento's doing a better job converting at the foul line, but still, clutch free throws have been an issue. Monk mix, misses the two clutch free throws tonight. The Kings still won. Kevin Herter misses the, those two clutch free throws against the Golden State Warriors, and the Kings managed to get two big defensive stops to hold on and to win that game, which, by the way, did you see the crazy Warriors and Lakers game that went to double overtime tonight? What a wild game that that was the Lakers winning it with two clutch free throws from LeBron James in double overtime. This is not the Locked On Warriors or Locked On Lakers podcast, but that game was on our, our station here on ABC 10. What a wild game that was. Just a fun time in the NBA. NBA rivalry week. I'm really a fan of it. I like the idea of just having a week where you 
pit rivals against each other, whether they're legit rivalries or not. I know there's questions and comments about whether Kings and Warriors is truly a rivalry or Lakers-Warriors is truly a rivalry, but ultimately those teams met and played each other in the playoffs. So it makes sense for rivalry week, at least for, uh, for this week. So fun games that we saw, not excluding tonight's game. However, again, the ending, not what we want to see. But now we've gotten that out of the way. Let's talk about the good stuff. A really, really good defensive effort from Sacramento. They held the, the, the Mavericks to only 25 points in the first quarter, 24 points in the second quarter, 26 points in the third quarter. If the Kings can do that, they're in amazing shape, right? They're going to win games far more often than not if they're holding te their, uh, their opponents to under 30 points in three out of four quarters. Again, the fourth quarter can't be 40 to give them life and give them a chance to, to, to steal a game on their home floor and give them a little bit of hope. You can't do that. But those first three quarters, you love to see that. And this, what we saw from the Kings tonight, 10 blocks from Sacramento, which is a season high. That, like, not necessarily the block stat, because Mike Brown's not a big fan of blocks. I personally am. Like, I love the block stat. I was a shot blocker in high school. That was shot blocking and rebounding was the only thing I was good at in basketball. Don't ask me to score. Don't ask me to pass. I, I, I blocked shots and I rebounded and that was it. Found my guard outlet pass and my job was done for at least that possession, right? I like block shots. But Mike's not necessarily a fan of it, right? Because he, he knows the block shots don't guarantee you a change of possession. It's securing the basketball, defensive rebounds at the end of a good defensive possession. He cares more about that. Or steals that give you possession. He cares more about those stats than he does block shots. But the defensive effort overall, the defensive rotations, the communi communication, the effort, how the defense was affecting the offense and leading to good things on the offensive end of the floor. These games are why... Mike holds this Kings team defensively to such a high standard. Now, we've talked about on this podcast many times throughout this season whether or not Mike is asking for too much from a roster whose strengths are primarily on the offensive end and not the defensive end, right? But we can see what Mike sees. We can see what this coaching staff sees. In games like this, and this is not the first time this season that the Kings have had good defensive uh, performances like this, we can see why Mike knows they're capable of it and is pushing so hard to find that and pull that out of this team consistently. We saw them do it for pretty much all seven games of that playoff series against the Golden State Warriors. But can they do that consistently over the course of the regular season? Can they build those good defensive habits now and allow that to positively affect their already dynamic and dangerous offense to help this team go from first-round playoff exit to maybe an NBA Western Conference Finals or NBA Finals appearance? right? That's what Mike believes is, is the next step to get there. Games like this are why he's pushing as hard as he is. Now, more often than not, these defensive nights are not going to be what the Sacramento Kings are able to do. They gave up 115 points still. That's not bad. It's not good either. That number should have been a lot lower, but again, that fourth quarter kind of skewed things a little bit. That being said, we saw that with good defense comes good offense for Sacramento. Right? The transition opportunities, the fast break buckets, the opportunity to strike before defenses get set into their half-court defense. Like When the Kings are playing well defensively, it adds good energy to their offense. And of course, when shots are falling, sometimes that will help the energy on the defensive end as well. But it was cool to see the Kings beat the Golden State Warriors on a night where it was an offensive shootout between those two teams. And the very next night, they win with another overall solid offensive performance, especially from the starters. And I'll get into that in just a second. But defensively, they played a significantly better game against Dallas. Granted, the Mavericks were on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. 
than they get it, did against the Warriors, who also were on a second night of a back-to-back -back when they played them a couple nights ago. I mentioned the starters, man. 34 points for De'Aaron Fox, 20 points for Harrison Barnes, 18 points for Kevin Herter, 17 points for DeMontis Sabonis, 15 points for Keegan Murray. When that starting lineup is playing like that, man, oh, oh boy. I think I've, and it's, it's, it's not rocket science. I think I've truly kind of figured out why this team looks so much better all of a sudden when they were playing so poorly and the vibes were so low. I think I figured it out. It's a really, really simple explanation that's kind of staring us all in the face. I'll share that with you in the next segment because before that, I want to talk about Keegan Murray, who even though he scored the fewest points out of the entire starting lineup, I would argue, other than De'Aaron Fox and his, uh, his 34, I would argue Keegan was the best player in that starting lineup tonight. It's because of what Keegan does on the defensive end of the floor. Y'all, when I tell you that 3 and D wings who can defend at an elite level while also knocking down the shots and being the offensive threat that Keegan Murray is. When I tell you they are patented and basically priceless around the league. Every team wants at least one of those guys. Every good team needs one of those guys. And every team is trying to find multiple of those guys. It is probably the most coveted archetype of player in the league and we've seen teams that have multiple guys like that multiple six eight six nine lengthy athletic good defensive players who can also space the floor a little bit on the offensive end teams like the new orleans pelicans for example we've seen how much those teams give sacramento trouble but the kings aren't without their guy keegan is that guy keegan is an elite defender in just his second season his growth from rookie year to this year has been exponential now i played a lot of sound from you and a lot was made of the press conference after the kings and warriors win right the fun press conference where mike brown and rasay fox took over demontis sabonis's press conference harrison barnes finally spoke and said some really really good stuff De'Aaron fox spoke uh, and had a back and forth uh, with a, a warriors media member uh, about whether or not that was a rivalry or not. So many things from that press conference that you heard people talk a lot about. But something that didn't get the attention that it deserved, and shame on me for this too, is Mike Brown was talking about Keegan Murray after that game. And he was comparing Keegan Murray to Jonathan Kaminga. And he was talking about, look at the leaps and bounds that Jonathan Kaminga is making for the Golden State Warriors. Look what they're suddenly starting to ask from him in his third season in the league. Mike said, I've been asking for that from Keegan Murray the second he stepped off of Iowa's campus. Keegan Murray came into the league, was a starter and a heavy volume three-point contributor to the best offense in regular season history, at least last season, to a team that ended their playoff drought and made the playoffs, and he was an important piece of that playoff series and one of the big reasons why the Kings were able to push that series to seven games. And he's come out of that with an offseason of us talking about how the Kings need him to take that next step offensively, how he needs to become the third scorer. He needs to become that guy that can get the Kings a bucket that isn't named De'Aaron Fox or Malik Monk or DeMontis Sabonis. The Kings are looking for Keegan to make a big jump on the offensive end. Meanwhile, Mike Brown and his coaching staff have been asking more from Keegan on the defensive end of the floor. And while I do think Keegan has improved offensively, defensively is where he has exploded this season. If there is a defensive most improved player in the league award, it's Keegan's without hesitation. Of course, there isn't, but there should be. And if there was, it would be Keegan's. Just like the clutch player of the year last year was invented essentially for De'Aaron Fox to win. 
Like Keegan's growth as a defender has been phenomenal. And we know what threat he is on the three-point side of things. We saw him go for nearly 50 points earlier on this season. We know offensively he can get going. He's doing a much better job attacking the basket. He gets a dunk a game uh, pretty much every night at this point. He's finishing at the rim, far more aggressive attacking the basket, which is one of the things that Mike Brown directly asked of him his rookie season. Keegan is growing in every single area, but it's not just about growth. It's about what he's doing. Every single night, Keegan is being asked to guard the best player on the opposing team, regardless of that player's position. Tonight, it was Luka Doncic. He guarded Luka the entire night. Last night, or the other night, when the Kings were playing the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry had 18 points in the first quarter. After the first quarter, Mike Brown made the switch to have Keegan Murray primarily defending Steph Curry. For the remainder of the game, Steph had only 15 points. Keegan is taking that job every night and he's showing that he belongs while also being the consistent offensive threat that we know that he can be would i love 20 point nights from keegan murray more often than not absolutely but if you're going to give me 15 points a night the 15 that you got from keegan tonight while also providing the uh the four rebounds two assists and three blocks which is a career high for him if that's the stat line you're going to give me while making that impact on the defensive end against the opposing team's best player like keegan made tonight yeah i'll take that over 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 20 point nights more often than not because that's going to lead to winning more than keegan scoring 20 is because of how many other players on this roster being an offensive roster are capable of scoring 20 or 30 plus points the Kings have their elite wing defender. Now they just need more guys of his size. More guys of that 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", lengthy and athletic mold. Guys that, again, are coveted around the league. Guys that every team wants an abundance of. Sacramento doesn't need their elite primary defender. They have him. They just need more lengthy athletic defenders to put alongside him. Which is why, maybe after all, Monty McNair's approach to this trade deadline is not going to be about finding another starter or finding another big piece, but shoring up those edges, like we've talked about, finding that seventh or eighth man that can come in and really make a good defensive boost in addition to what Keegan is doing. Because even Keegan guarding the best guards on the opposing team is taking some of the pressure off of De'Aaron Fox, who was taking a lot of that responsibility on to start this season and going back to last season. And Fox is more than capable of doing that. But if he doesn't have to do it every single night, of course, that opens De'Aaron up to be the offensive firepower superstar that we know he is and that he was tonight. We'll talk about that. But again, I'm going to share with you the very simple explanation for why the Kings are playing better over these last three games. I have that for you here in just a second. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Grammarly. I was an English major. I graduated from William Jessup University in Rockland, California with a bachelor's in English journalism. Obviously, being a journalism major, being an English major, that means you're writing, writing a lot. And I wish I had the tool Grammarly when I was going through college and writing the boatloads of papers that I had to write. But of course, Grammarly is not just a tool to help you with your grammar and with your sentences and, and with everything for just writing papers or just in, in an educational setting. There's so many ways that you can use 
Grammarly. When it comes to writing, Grammarly is there to support you from start to finish. For over 10 years, Grammarly has been powered by AI technology you can trust to help you across the places you, you write the most. And it's, again, not just papers, whether you're writing emails at work, if you're trying to polish your writing, maybe you've kind of scribbled out some ideas or typed out some ideas, but you want it to sound better, sound more presentable, Grammarly can help with that. Or you could have the classic writer's block that we all suffer from, where we have these ideas in our head, but we don't know how to get them out. Grammarly has tools to help you get them out coherently and at the very least, get you started. If you have a big presentation coming up, Grammarly can help with that by creating a personalized outline to get you organized so you can transform your ideas into a compelling presentation. If you need to draft an important email and don't know where to start, Grammarly has tools for that. The best part, it's free to use. Yes, this is right there for you. You don't have to pay for it. Take advantage of it. It's there at your disposal. Start being more productive at work. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download for free today. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. And like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the number one way to play daily fantasy sports and the best part about Prize Picks. There's a ton of great things about Prize Picks, but this is the absolute best part. It's just you versus the prize picks projections. You're not taking on anybody else. You're not battling against those sharks or those pros or those guys that live in Las Vegas that have their spreadsheets in front of them that do this for a living and take advantage of something that's just supposed to be a fun hobby for you. None of that. Prize picks gives you projections on multiple different stats for two to six players. You make those selections, whether they're going to, De'Aaron Fox is going to score more or less than 27 and a half points, or DeMontis Sabonis is going to have more or, or, or less than uh, a combined. 38 points and rebounds, whatever it may be. There's so many ways to play king specific every single game. And there's so many ways to play just with sports in general. Of course, with the NFL playoffs, the NFC and AFC championships going on, you can play a prize picks for both of those games at the same time. You can combine prize picks for NBA and NFL games at the same time. There's so many unique and fun ways to play. And it's a great place for you to win up to 25 times your entry if you get your picks right. Go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, you ready for my super simple explanation that if it hasn't dawned on you yet, you're going to look at it or hear it and go, oh, okay, that shouldn't probably be as big of a deal as it is, but it's the only thing that I think makes sense for this Kings team. They were in a rut, right? One of their worst stretches of the season. They blew that lead uh, and, and had their heart broken in Milwaukee, blew that lead uh, against the Phoenix Suns, came home and were embarrassed by the Indiana Pacers without Tyrese Halliburton, right? Guys weren't talking to the media. Vibes were off. The trade deadline approaching, we were thinking trades were imminent and this team had to be not necessarily blown up, but certainly pieces had to be sent away and retooled. Things were not good in King's Land only a couple of weeks ago. What changed? The Kings are now on a three-game winning streak. I'll tell you exactly what changes, and it's as simple as the Kings finally got some rest. Check this out. In between the Indiana Pacers loss and the Atlanta Hawks win at home, that final game of that, I think it was a two-game homestand before the Kings began this seven-game road trip that they're currently on. They had three days off in between those two games. Now, that doesn't mean three days of just resting and kicking your feet up. Obviously, they had practice during that time, but three straight days 
of no games. Then they play the, uh, the, the Hawks game. They win that game. After that, two days of no games before starting this road trip against the Golden State Warriors and winning that game. So they played one game in a six-game stretch. That's a big deal, especially considering the Kings didn't play on Christmas Day. The day after Christmas, they played and I think lost to the Portland Trailblazers. From the 26th to that Atlanta Hawks game, or rather the Indiana Pacers game, let's say that. From the 26th to, the, uh, to that Indiana Pacers game that they lost, their roughest stretch of the season, they played 13 games in 24 days. That includes two sets of back-to-back -back games, two sets of three games in four nights. And completely separate from those, they had a stretch of four games in seven days. Day off game, day off game, day off game, day off game. And then a day off after that. The Kings played a lot of basketball in a very short period of time. They're already banged up. We were watching this team play, especially watching De'Aaron Fox and going, man, Fox doesn't look right. He's been dealing with that ankle injury from earlier. He gets beaten up all the time. A lot of Kings players bumped and bruised and have been dealing with injuries from this season. A little more of an injury bug this year than they dealt with last season, for sure. The Kings just got some rest. They got time, not just to take it easy and, and, and to, to kind of recoup. They got time to work together in practice, to revisit some things, to reset, for Mike to reestablish some things, make some changes. And nobody has benefited from those changes more than Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herter. Harrison Barnes tonight, 20 points, 6 of 11 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3-point range, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. Harrison Barnes filled up a stat sheet. He dropped 32 against the Hawks, dropped 39 against the Warriors, and now 20 tonight. Again, I'm not expecting those kind of numbers more often than not from Harrison. I'm not. But when he gives it to you, you should be winning. And lo and behold, when he's giving it to him, the Kings are winning. Right? I think Jill Adge posted a stat that before tonight, I think the Kings were 11-1 and in games where Harrison takes like 10 or more shots. When Harrison is involved in shooting, that usually means he's getting those shots up because he's scoring and the offense is starting to find him and get him involved a little bit more. And the Kings are benefiting from that. Now, I'm not saying they need to change their offensive focus to make uh, Barnes a, a primary piece of what they're doing. They don't need to do that. What makes Harrison so good, or in theory, what makes Harrison so good for this roster is the fact that he can fit and fill what's needed as the fifth guy in that starting unit that is loaded with offensive weapons. But unlike before, on nights where Harrison would completely disappear, which he is certainly to be blamed for, I'm not giving him the pass for that, the Kings themselves were also not doing a good job of getting him involved. Over these last three games, Harrison has made a clear effort to get involved early on and to establish himself early on, and then Mike Brown has even admitted that the Kings are running more plays and, and are drawing things up and going to Harrison Barnes more in these three games than they have all other games combined so far this season. And it's working. I don't know if they certainly didn't reinvent the wheel, right? It's not like Jay Triano showed up to practice and said, we're changing the offense completely, but they've tweaked it to give 
Harrison more of a role on the offensive side of the ball, and it's working, and we can say the same thing to some extent for Kevin Herter. Kevin's gotten that break. He's moving well without the basketball. Tonight, he scores 18 points, 7 of 11 from the field, 4 of 8 from three-point range, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 blocks. Check this out, y'all. I know there is a... Uh, and we've talked about there's only so many shots to go around, right? There's only one basketball in the Kings. They love to share it, but it's, it's hard for everybody to get their touches and to get their shots. De'Aaron Fox took, let's see, where is it? De'Aaron Fox took 24 shots tonight. Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herter both took 11 shots tonight, including seven threes for Barnes and eight for Herter. Demonis Sabonis got his looks tonight. Keegan Murray got his looks tonight. All five starters finishing in double figures. It is possible for this offense to feature everybody or get everybody good or, or halfway decent looks naturally because of who's at the helm of it, De'Aaron Fox. But getting those guys those looks does not take away from De'Aaron and his ability to score 34 points. What it takes is them hitting those shots and getting the ball where they like to get the ball. And that's what we've seen more, especially out of Harrison in these last three games than any time so far this season. Those two have clearly benefited from the extra practice time that these days off or, or, or days without games that the Kings have finally had have, have given Sacramento. And De'Aaron himself has, of course, benefited from it too. De'Aaron looks fresh again. I'm not saying that he's not still banged up, but he had that ankle injury early on, and I don't know if that ankle completely healed, right? I don't think any injury can really fully completely heal when you're in the midst of a NBA season. You just try and get to a point where you can play through the pain. And that's something that De'Aaron has done throughout his entire career. But De'Aaron, he's moving better. He looks more spry. He looks quicker. And the biggest thing that I've noticed over these last handful of games is De'Aaron is establishing himself inside. He is attacking the basket first and then going to that three-point game. He had those two huge three-pointers that he hit against the Golden State Warriors. Two shots that the Kings don't win if De'Aaron doesn't hit those outside shots, but those came in the fourth quarter after De'Aaron established himself with getting to the rim, getting to the free-throw line, and getting to the mid-range. Tonight, De'Aaron has 34 points. Five of his 24 shots were from three-point range. That means 19 other attempts we're within that three-point arc, mid-range and at the rim. That is De'Aaron Fox's game with the addition of good three-point shooting on top of that. That's what makes him unguardable. It's not trading one out for the other. It's not he's a three-point shooter now and not attacking the rim. It's he's the rim threat and mid-range threat that he's always been, but now you can't sag off him because he'll bury a three in your face anytime he wants to. That is the unguardable De'Aaron Fox, and that's what we've been seeing again. 34 points tonight. 13 to 24 from the field, one of five from three-point range, five assists, two steals, two blocks, all over the stat sheet for De'Aaron Fox. Great to see number five playing that well again. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by Hungry Root. I love to eat. I don't really like to cook. I have four, maybe maximum five meals that I'm comfortable cooking because honestly, I know I won't mess it up. And the majority of those meals are more easy than they are healthy. Well, here's Healthy Root or Hungry Root to help you get your healthier diet without all the hard work and the stress that it feels like is, it comes with eating healthy, right? And it's not just about them sending meals to your door, although of course they do that. They'll help kind of build a, a meal profile around what you like to eat and what you enjoy. So they're getting you meals that you're actually going to eat and are not going to go to waste. But on top of that, 
They also help you with your overall grocery shopping. They'll tell you exactly what you need for the meals that you're trying to make or that you want to make. They take all the stress out of it. You don't have to search for it yourself. They will tell you, they make it as easy as possible, which for someone like me, that's a big deal. That makes a big difference. You'll save money, you'll reduce food waste, and maybe most importantly out of all of that, you'll save yourself time. The time grocery shopping, the time searching for the things that you need, or the time at home to make that food. We've all come home after a long day hungry, but not wanting to make things. Everybody knows cooking while you're hungry is the worst thing ever. It's like torturing yourself. That's why fast food is so appealing. Well, this is something, this is your alternative, right? Hungry Root can help with all that. It's the easiest way to get fresh, high quality food delivered to your door. They've got healthy groceries and simple recipes all in one place for you. So right now, Hungry Root is offering locked on NBA uh, listeners 40% off of your first delivery of free or and free veggies for life. Just go to hungerroot.com slash locked on to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungerroot.com slash locked on. Don't forget to use our link so that they know we sent you. Got this far in the podcast. Haven't even mentioned DeMontis Sabonis. A double-double for Sabonis. Ho-hum. Heard that before. 17 points, 11 rebounds. This is 27 straight double-double which is now third all-time in Kings franchise history. There's only two double-double streaks that have been longer than Sabonis' 17. Both of them are owned by Oscar Robinson of 29 games and 31 games. Sabonis still has a, a bit of a ways to go to catch that, right? I mean, the 29 he's coming up on, and he's just two more to tie that. He's biting at Oscar Robinson's heels. This man is so unbelievable. It wasn't a night where he was certainly standing out like he had good moments as he always does but it wasn't like a wow here's a big DeMontis Sabonis night against the Dallas Mavericks no Sabonis was doing what he does grabbing rebounds scoring points had a couple of really good offensive rebounds leading to put back opportunities but also filling the role getting his teammates involved I loved uh, just another overall solid performance from DeMontis Sabonis also I found this stat I thought it was actually pretty interesting Sabonis leads the league at least leads centers at finishing around the rim, right? He's one of the, he is the most efficient center scoring at the rim this season. Again, and he's better, the, the number two and number three on that list are Anthony Davis and I forget the third one. Oh, it's Chet Holmgren. That's number two and number three. Guys that are coveted and loved around the league, guys that are as exalted as either superstars or future superstars, right? And there's DeMondis Sabonis at the top of the list hopefully finally starting to get the credit that he deserves. Well, this seven-game road trip continues. It's off to a great start. The Kings 2-0 and oh so far on this road trip. And we talked about them getting rest and not playing a lot of games back-to-back -back or a lot of games in a short period of time. Here is how the schedule goes for the remainder of this road trip. They'll play on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So there's a back-to-back -back there on Friday and Saturday. And then wrap up this road trip on Monday. Those games are against the Grizzlies, Heat, Pacers, Bulls, and Cavs. The back-to-back -back is the Pacers first, then the Bulls on the second night. They wrap up on Monday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. So no extended time off on this road trip. That's probably a good thing, so they get home sooner than later. But this is the longest road trip of the year. Hopefully the Kings can continue to play the good basketball that they've been playing because there's definitely winnable games during this stretch, beginning with the Memphis Grizzlies on Monday. Of course, we'll have a full 
recap of that game right here on Locked On Kings, like we always do. So I sincerely, uh, sincerely hope you will join me for that. If you're new, welcome. For those of you who have been around forever or continue to st uh, stick around, you know how much I appreciate you. Thank you so much uh, for showing back up. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked On Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.